Thank you, everybody, for coming to the Jimmy Show on Block Talk Radio. I know you heard that uh, Paul Manafort, <laughs> uh, Michael Cohen, um, these guys are going or, or will be going to jail. And uh, it's a great day for, for America. It's not a good day for Donald Trump, but it's a great day for America. It's a beautiful day for America. This guy has got his panties in a knot. Trump is going down. I've said it several times before. I've, I'm going to say it's, he can't last too much longer. I don't know if he's going to last to the midterms. He sure in the hell is not going to be reelected. And that's what he wants. He wants to be president for life. That's not going to happen. Um, it's Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen. Uh, you know, uh, this makes five people uh, within Trump's circle indicted, pleaded guilty, and going to jail. Five people. Cohen will be uh, sentenced December in December, 2018. He will be sentenced in December. Manafort, I'm thinking, is going to be sentenced immediately. He's been uh, convicted on 18 counts, but only, but only eight counts stood because the other 10 counts, I'm hearing that the jury could not come to a consensus. Eight counts, 18 counts, what the hell? This man is going to jail, and he's going to spend the rest of his life behind bars. And I'm talking about Paul Manafort. He once ran Donald Trump's campaign. He once ran it. And you're going to tell me Donald Trump knew nothing about it, about his crimes, collusion with Russia? If Paul Manafort colluded with Russia, so did Donald Trump. Donald Trump ordered all of this shit. And Cohen, Michael Cohen, his lawyer, one time, Donald Trump. Donald Trump trusted this guy. I'm, I'm like his brother. The way they, the way they talk about, uh, where he, the way he used to talk about Michael Cohen, like it, Michael Cohen was his brother, his relative, or something. Um, anyway, Michael Cohen is Cohen has said that he would take a bullet for Donald Trump. Actually, he has become the bullet for Donald Trump. Because uh, he has implicated Donald Trump in a, in a lot of his crimes. Matter of fact, he said Donald Trump ordered him to um, interfere with the 2016 election. Right there, that I mean, this is a this is his lawyer saying that about him. Obviously, uh, uh, Cohen do, does not want to go down. He's going to bring down Donald Trump down with him because he. You know, if he feels as if he's been betrayed by Donald Trump, and that's why he's turning on Donald Trump. And 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 we all know Donald Trump doesn't have any friends. He doesn't want any. If you try to be his friend, he's going to throw you over, under, and aside of the bus. Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about anybody. This is why I think Michael Cohen turned on him. Well, actually, Michael Cohen's office, his office, his hotel room, his house was raided by federal agents. And they, you know, confiscated a lot of evidence. And evidence 
of tapes with Donald Trump's voice on them saying that saying and directing allegedly uh, I haven't heard the tape so I have to say allegedly uh, telling his lawyer his fixer to pay off these women so this is uh, really really uh, a bombshell this is really a big deal Trump may not feel that it's a big deal the Republicans in in Congress may not feel that it's a big deal they're going around saying that well it's not Russia it's not Russia, but it's not Russia. It may not be Russia, but it's a lot of trouble and headaches for Donald Trump. The, uh, right now, I'm pretty sure everybody in the world has heard about this. I mean, you got people in China mocking Donald Trump. They're, they're laughing at him. People, other people around the world are laughing at the United States, laughing at Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is out there saying, well, I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. I, I, I didn't know. And his voice and fingerprints and likeness is all over everything. And we know how Donald Trump lies. Now, most of the Americans, most Americans around the United States, around the country, are saying that Donald Trump should be immediately thrown out of office. Immediately drug out of that, out of the White House. But a couple of things that are saving Donald Trump's ass. And that is the Republicans in Congress. They're saving his ass, and he should know that. They're saving him from being kicked out of that White House. As most Americans, uh, big and small, they want this to happen. They want Donald Trump ripped up out of that White House. He's a crook. He's a thug. Uh, Michael Cohen said just that said that much, uh, uh, revealing that Donald Trump steered him, ordered him into fixing the election, interfering with the election, and ordering payments to Stormy Daniels and Miss Madugo, two, uh, two uh, porn stars. I think one's a play, playboy, playmate. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look that up. But anyway, uh, it's awful. It's awful for America. This is awful for Americans. This is just horrendous that the Donald Trump team and the administration has done this to this wonderful, beautiful, and already great country of America. This is just, I mean, I'm blown blown away. And the Republicans are saying, well, we need more information before we can do anything. I don't think if Republicans had all the information in the world that they would impeach Donald Trump because some of them are implicated. Some of them are complicit. They need Donald Trump to, to sit uh, their Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. They need him. And if they should impeach Donald Trump right now, he, <laughs> they will, he will not get to uh, – uh, seat this uh, nominee, which is uh, totally this guy is totally up Trump's ass. So, and I think one of the, another thing that's saving Donald Trump's ass is that he cannot resign. I mean, he cannot really resign. 
People are saying, well, he should resign. He should resign. He should get out. He should resign. Donald Trump knows, and his lawyers probably told him, if he didn't know, because he doesn't know a lot of stuff, uh, that if Donald Trump should resign, he becomes a private citizen. He no longer holds a public office. He becomes a private citizen. Therefore, by being a private citizen, he will be indicted. He will be arrested. He will go to prison. Donald Trump knows if he resigns, you know, because, you know, they're saying the Department of Justice and maybe somewhere in the Constitution saying that a in so many ways and in so many words that a sitting president cannot be indicted. He cannot be indicted while being president, but once he's not president anymore, the indictments are going to be flooding up his ass. So it behooves Donald Trump if he doesn't want to go to jail at least not right now at this very moment is to stay in office because the office of the presidency is keeping his ass out of jail. Yeah. The presidency is keeping his and the Republicans are keeping him out of jail because the Republicans impeach him can impeach this thug right today. They can impeach him right today if they wanted to. But they've got a lot of they've got a lot riding on Donald Trump. That's why they're not going to do it. Pressure may mount so badly, so immensely that maybe in a few weeks or a few months, the Republicans, if they're still in office, will have no choice but to impeach him, throw him out of office. And a lot of people are saying, well, if the if um if Trump is if Trump is impeached, excuse me. Then we have Mike Pence. A lot of people are afraid of oh, Mike Pence is worse than Donald Trump. And I always tell people, uh, let's get Trump out of the fucking White House, and then we'll concentrate and on Mike Pence. We'll throw his ass out. We got to do this thing one at a time. And I will suggest to people, do not be afraid of. Pence uh, becoming president when Donald Trump is kicked out on his ass. Pence is a nothing but a whiny old ass kisser. That's all he is. You know, so uh, so that that's the two things that I see keeping as president of the United States. How in the fuck did we get this far in the United States? How did this disgusting man become president of the United States? Well, obviously, uh, like Michael Cohen said, Trump uh, meddled in the uh, 2016 election. And a lot of us feel if Trump and Michael Cohen meddled in the 2016 election to get Trump elected, then why not, and we know that now, and everybody knows it, the Republicans know it, the Democrats know it, why not nullify the election? Why not nullify every one of his fucking appointments that he made to the cabinet of the United States only to screw up everything 
that has been accomplished uh, in the last 20 and 30 years. He screws it up, try to come up with some excuse to get rid of it. Education for one. I mean, before uh, this bombshell, Trump was tearing America down one limb at a time, tearing it down. Education, uh, uh, the Clean Air Act, he tears it down. He, uh, he's uh, reversed every good thing that Obama has done. The man is going down, and he wants to take America with him. He's saying, you guys going to uh, 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 lock me up, then I'm going to destroy America as much as I can before I leave. And now he's saying um, that he, I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't me. Corn is lying. Everybody's lying. I'm not. Wow, this is just a bad day for America. This is a bad day for Americans. This is not a good time. And, um, and I'm hearing from a lot of lawyers, uh, uh, Michael Corn's lawyer, Lanny Davis, um, He's saying that there's more to come. He's saying that this is not over. So what you're hearing in the news and what you're seeing on television and and what you're seeing on on cable television, on your computers, uh, it's really bad. But um, it's going to get worse from what because Cohen said he has, even though Trump is denying wrongdoing and we know he's lying. Uh, even though Trump is denying wrongdoing, Michael Cohen said he has more tapes, he has more explosive documentation. In other words, he has proof to back up what he's saying. Michael Cohen, once called a fixer, he fixes stuff for my, for Donald Trump. <laughs> he one time he said he'd take a bullet for Donald Trump, and now he's the bullet, and he's uh uh. Uh, giving uh, it to Donald Trump, you know, so it's a mess. It, it, it's it's awful, folks. But this is America. This is the Donald Trump era. And you know what? I'm I'm going to say, come out and say it. I'm glad this happened. We're all glad this happened. I mean, we need to get this clown, this buffoon, this idiot, this liar, this piece of shit out of the White House. And I always, folks, uh. Pardon my language, but, you know, it, it's warranted with the guy that we have in the White House. Remember, he cannot resign because if he resigns, he, become, he becomes a private citizen, and that's it. He goes to jail just like the other people he worked uh, them to uh, – the other people he ordered to do, to do wrong. He cannot borrow money. In the United States. And we still need to see his taxes. He's not going to show his taxes. Because there's going to be more and more crime. The Republicans, they've seen his taxes, but they haven't released them to the public. However, once the Democrats take over the uh, uh, the House of Representatives uh, in the midterms, Maxine Waters will have access to his finances, including his uh, income taxes. And he knows it. He knows it. And now is going around the country endorsing uh, other people to run in the midterms. He feels that he, if he 
tells his supporters to vote for whoever he likes, they're going to win. That's one of the stupidest things to do. You should not tie your coattails with Trump if you're running for office. That's a bad scenario. Trump, <laughs> Trump is not popular. Trump will. So why would you want to say? But you got a lot of. I mean, if you watch these rallies, and he did one in Virginia, uh, how these people uh, kiss his ass is just mind-boggling. The men, mostly. <laughs> I mean, they be really, really sucking up to this guy. It is so pathetic. They suck up to this criminal. They suck up to this thug. Uh, this the Godfather in a White House. They just suck up to this, and just like the Republicans. Republicans suck up to Donald Trump when they have all the power in the world to check and balance this guy. They'd rather, you know, get kicked in the teeth. Kick it, you know, and kiss his ass. Anyway, it's been one of those days when I was coming on the radio today, I just said, damn, it's so much to talk about. Especially, actually, there is not much else to talk about except for what has transpired in the last uh, few hours. And especially yesterday, <laughs> it was a mess. I mean, wow, you know, and you just have to, and being on the radio and and knowing that there's people out there who love my show and uh, uh, who are uh, uh, transfixed on this and following these revelations, you just have to talk about them. You have to talk about them because everybody else is talking about them. But George, I get so sad hearing about Trump and politics. I do too. But this is America. And uh, it's up to Americans to take this country back. And we're doing so slowly, but the wheels are turning. And uh, this is one revelation that this is going to go down in history. (laughs) Trump is going to go down as the worst president ever, the worst human being ever, not just the worst president, the worst human being ever, ever. And he can go around and uh, he can go around now and say he didn't do it or he he didn't do anything wrong, but the evidence point says otherwise. The evidence says otherwise, and we know uh, what a liar Donald Trump is. Obviously, when uh, Manafort, when Manafort, the trial was in progress, Donald Trump was throwing out tidbits to try to tamper and influence uh, the jury. However, they didn't go for it. (laughs) He was trying to tamper with the jury, and they didn't go for it. The jury told, when the jury convicted Paul Manafort of bank fraud and, and all this other stuff that he's been convicted of, convicted of, they sent a message to Donald Trump that no one is above the law. Donald Trump thinks he's above the law, have always thought he was above the law, but I don't think he thinks that now. When five of the people in his closest circle have gone to jail or uh, 
um, committed or said that they were guilty. And people are saying Donald Trump just tanked people around it. If you're around Donald Trump, he's going to try to get you to do something illegal. But I still say Robert Mueller is doing a great job. He is after Donald Trump. Donald Trump is scared shitless. And right now, folks, Donald Trump is trying to meddle back in into the NFL, the National Football League. He's meddling. He's making news, meddling right now in the uh, uh, football league, the National Football League, Pro Football League. He wants supporters to sign a petition demanding that ESPN air national. Now, this is nothing but a distraction away from the other shit that is dogging him. This is nothing but a distraction. Now, why is he going back picking on players, basically African-American players. This man thinks he's God. He thinks he's king. He's going to be king, all right, behind bars. He should be, instead of picking on the NFL players and the NFL in general, he should be thinking about his future. His future. Because Michael Cohen, Paul Manafort, the guilty pleas, the jail sentences is a lot bigger than the national anthem. See, because we all know that Donald Trump is picking on the players when he does this. And every player, every sports Every player who plays sports around America hates his guts. You don't have to ask anybody that. You know that. Every fan that goes to a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game, a soccer game, or any game, professional game, knowing that Donald Trump is trying to interfere in sports, uh, divide the players, turn the fans against the players, and all this kind of thing. They hate his guts. So he's still. One, one thing is, pardon me. One thing is that he's not going to get his parade. They say that Donald Trump canceled it. I say the American people won out on this. He doesn't deserve a parade. He deserves. <laughs> he deserves. Uh, a jail cell. He doesn't deserve a fucking parade. Spending tiny, spending ninety-two million dollars on a criminal, a crook, and Carl Bernstein, one of the architects of uh, Nixon uh, downfall. Uh, he uh, he said that this is worse than Watergate, and I I believe him. This is worse than Watergate. This is something that America hasn't seen. Maybe the world has never seen before. This is worse than Watergate. I agree with Carl. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. My guest on the marquee says Amanda Adams. It seems like I've um, seen her name before besides booking her. It was somewhere before. So we'll see what happens 
happens with that. People are illogical, stupid, unreasonable, crazy, egotistical, and self-centered, but try to deal with them anyway. <laughs> I like that. I think I've used that before on the show. And uh, we're going to see if we can do this. Thank you. All right. Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried-out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative all right, Ashley Judd on the George Wilder Jr. Show. She's talking about um, online sexual abuse. So if the word's a little, if she says something that's a little bit raunchy, that's Ashley Judd. Uh, okay, it's 6.30 uh, p.m. in the city of Chicago, and it's a beautiful day. The sunshine is out. Everything is gorgeous, folks. It's just gorgeous. I just hope it's nice where you are, and if, if it is, get out there and enjoy the weather Get some exercise. Uh, it's good for you. I mean, it gets, it's good for every, every uh, part of you. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. That's different. Amanda? Yes, how are you? Amanda Adams on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I am fine. I'm just a little, uh, you know, a little taken back by the events of today in America. Uh, it, it, you just have to talk about it. It's just, I mean, everybody has to talk about it because this is America. This is where we live. This is our country. This is where we love. Anyway, author Amanda Adams on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And so tell my audience, uh, uh, give my audience a little bit of your bio and tell us what you do. Okay. Well, I'm an author and yes. uh, a writer and a poet as well. Um, I come from the the Midwest as well as the East Coast. So I'm sort of um, a little bit of the the middle of the the country as well as some of the East Coast New York vibe. And I've written two books. Yeah, I've written two books. One is about um, four women in New York City called the Sangrita Club. And it is sort of like a hashtag Me Too novel, if you will. Okay. It's a collection of four stories about these four different women, um, and they have gone through some unimag- some just unimaginable, unthinkable, and unspeakable things. And and so they are trying to work through some of these issues, and they kind of cling together and, and help each other and form this sisterhood 
to help each other through some of the the situations that they have um, endured in their lives. Okay. And um, okay. My uh, other book is. Go ahead. I was going to say your second book is called Don't Hold Your Breath. Yes, it is. It's called Don't Hold Your Breath, A Protagonist Poetic Catharsis. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Okay. <laughs> but, what it, <laughs> but what it means is that, you know, we, we are performers. We perform on the stage of our own lives every day. And in doing so, we all have relationships. And this book is really about the four stages of relationships. And those stages being longing for love, feelings of love, loss of love, and then the liberty of loving ourselves. And so it is a collection, an anthology, which um, expresses these four stages of love in poetic form. And, you you know, I really wrote... Go ahead. Okay. Do you you think... um... There's a lot less love in the United States today. I do. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of anger. Yeah, there's people pissed off. The ability to love. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel like there's a lot of anger and frustration. And when you have a lot of anger and frustration, it's difficult to love. It's difficult to see through that stuff in order to open yourself up to be loved, and to love other people. Yeah. There's a song called To Be Loved. I think it's... it's, 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 it's <laughs> it, Yeah, there's a song out called To Be Loved. Anyway, um, both of your books, do you actually put uh, uh, some of your own experience in some of this, some in some of these writings, some of your own experience? They are both fictional for the most part, okay. but I always weave a little bit of myself into everything. Yeah, yeah I, I do like too. To leave it up. Yeah, yeah, I like to leave it I up do the too. I'm a writer to too. Try every... to figure out. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I do the same thing. I write fiction, I write nonfiction, but fiction, I, I always put a little bit of me in there. And if the reader really understands and gets the. Uh, <laughs> the gist of the book they will find uh that some of some of it's me and then most of it is not but it's some so, and that's the fun part you can always interject yourself in what you're writing you know and that's and uh, some of your experiences and stuff like that absolutely absolutely yeah this, so how um, this second this second book don't no. hold your breath it's really yeah. dedicated to women um Women okay. who have feelings of anger and hurt and frustration and inadequacy and insecurity and loneliness. And I want them to know you're not alone. Um, at, at certain points in our lives, we all experience these kinds of feelings. And, you know, we put on this facade and we try to, try to hide all of our hurt. Um, but there comes a point where you have to face it. And you have to deal with it in order to be able to, you know, feel whole and to move on um, in your life. Um, because if you allow these these emotions to 
stay inside you. It can impede impede your ability to thrive as often in life. And this book also gives the reader an opportunity to create their own poetry to express their own feelings about their relationship. So I put mm. some, some thought questions in the book that the reader can actually write, write in the book and create their own poetry and their own, create their own um, catharsis to be able to express their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the title. Don't hold your breath. It's like, I don't know. I, I it's like saying that uh, if you're waiting for something to happen, uh, don't hold your breath. It won't happen, but you, it, you don't mean it that way. Or do you? I do mean it that way. Actually, okay. I wrote a a poem in the book. It's called Don't Hold Your Breath, and it kind of gives you a uh, more of a, a, a concrete view of what Don't Hold Your Breath means, and I'd like to read it yeah. for you if you don't mind. Go right ahead. It says, thank you. It says, on the way to your destiny, as you see the sight, Inhale the aromas and taste the flavors. Don't hold your breath. On the way to your providence, as you feel the consequences of your decisions, positive and negative, don't hold your breath. On the way to your karma, as you experience the pitfalls of truth and the elation of lies, don't hold your breath. On the way to your unexpected as you taste the sweetness and bitterness of love and the elation and anguish of deception. Don't hold your breath. On the way to your future, move on from the past, be present in the moment, and breathe. And wow, that's that sounds... Your that that yeah, sounds great. It sounds... Okay. Yeah. It's It's... It, that don't hold your breath is really about not waiting, not hiding, expressing yourself, um, being true to yourself, and think, thinking about yourself, especially as women. We spend so much of our time in our lives helping other people realize their dreams that we put ours on the back burner. But it's our yeah. time. It's our time to breathe. It's our time to stop holding <laughs> our breath and waiting. Yeah. Amanda Blake on the George Wilder Jr. Show. So tell me, how is the book doing? How? What kind of reaction are you getting from the book? Um, I am getting very, very positive reactions and positive vibes okay. um, yeah. from this book. Um, because, you know, as women we have a tendency not to express ourselves, um, our true inner feelings. And so this book is really an opportunity not only for me to express my own true inner feelings about relationships, but it gives the reader an opportunity to kind of pull some of those feelings that they've kept hidden and locked inside mm-hmm. of them and bring mm-hmm. them out. And so it's, 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 it's uh, gotten some really positive feedback. So this book is basically, uh, um, when you were writing it, you were thinking more about the reader. Yeah, 
books. I was thinking about the reader because all of the books mm-hmm. that I write, I don't necessarily write them for myself. I, I write them mm-hmm. from my own experiences and some of the experiences of others. Um, mm-hmm. But I really write them for women because I want them to use my books as a mirror to be able to see themselves, to see yeah. and to look at where they are in life. And make yeah. a decision. Do you like where you are? Do you like who you are? Do you like yeah. what you do? And if you don't, put in place some strategies to be able to change who you are or what you're doing or where you are so that you can get to where it is you really, truly want to be and ought to be in life. Wow, that sounds great, and uh, I applaud you for wanting to uh, get out here and uh, make the world a better place by uh, uh, by writing these books uh, solely for women, and uh, it's just a great feeling because you get a lot of women out here who are totally unhappy. They live alone. Uh, some are abused, um, uh, domestic violence, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if they would take time to, uh, you know, maybe read one of your books – uh, things could probably uh, be a little brighter. Absolutely. And these books aren't just for women. They okay. are a great tool for men because okay. men have a tendency. I was wondering about us. <laughs> men have a tendency <laughs> not to under, they, they say they don't understand women. I don't know why she said that. I don't know why she acts like that. Why is she like that? This is an opportunity for them to kind of get a an inside view um, in terms of how women think and how their actions, you know, how their actions come about because of certain circumstances and why mm-hmm. they make the choices that they make in life. And so I think I think both of these books are really. Um, uh, important for men to read too, because I I truly believe it will help men understand women more. And yeah, and, in in don't in don't hold your breath. I actually spend quite a bit of time writing poetry of and describing men. I find it very interesting. Yeah, I think I would find it interesting too, because I'm gonna tell you something. I don't understand women either. <laughs> You know, I, uh, you know, maybe you can teach me something and people like that out, people like me out there about uh, understanding women and maybe teaching women to understand men like myself. Uh, so I would probably suggest this book to this book. Um, Don't hold your breath to anybody out there who wants to, uh, you know, do these kinds of things. And uh, I want to thank Amanda Adams for being on the show. And can you tell us where we can go find a book? Books. The books are yeah. The books are on Amazon.com, and mm-hmm. I just heard from my publisher, the Sangrita Club is actually on Walmart.com as well, and BarnesandNoble.com. Oh, okay. So okay. yes, I'm really excited about that. Wow. And, and I'm excited for you, and I, and I wish you all the um, success in the world uh, with these books. And uh, I'm gonna go ch- check check it out check them out. I want to, you know, check the one out you know, uh, with the title, uh, Don't Hold Your Breath. I think that's a catchy title. And uh, yes, it is a catchy title, you know, so, and 
All right. We want to thank you. Do you have a website before we go where people can go to? I do. It is booksbyamandaadams.com. Okay. That's, that was nice and simple and quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's my Twitter handle. It's Facebook. It's Instagram. Yeah. Books by Amanda Adams. You can't miss it. <laughs> you can't miss it, and you can't, you cannot say you don't know it. Okay. Exactly. I want to thank you for being on the show, and I, I'm going to send you – I think I got your email. I'm going to send you a, a link to the show that you're on now, and maybe you can put it on your website. People can come by and right. hear you on your website on this show. Great. I'll send it to you, all right? Absolutely. Thank oh, no you problem. Thanks. Thank you for being on the show, and lots of luck with, with – uh, everything you're doing, and I want to thank you. Thank you. Have a great bye-bye. day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right, Amanda Adams on the George Wilder Jr. Show talking about uh, hold, don't hold your breath. It's like an old saying that you used to say when you were small. All right, George, don't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Fighting a back against Donald Trump's one-time lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, who pleaded guilty and will be sentenced um, in December. Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to uh, interfering with the election 
at the behest of Donald Trump and paying Donald Trump, uh, his mistress, off. Donald Trump denied it, but it's on tape. And Cohen said that uh, Trump uh, told him to pay off these ladies, uh, which he vehemently denied. So he's fighting back. He's fighting back. President Donald Trump and his allies wage war against Michael Cohen Wednesday, uh, one day after the president's former lawyer and fixer implicated Donald Trump in a felony during uh, the 2016 election. Cohen's charged that he paid off two women who said they had sexual relationships with Trump and cruelly uh, that he had done so at the then candidates behest Donald Trump with the intention of affecting the election and and is reverberating across the political world. This is reverberating across the political world. But Trump's team is seeking to blunt the impact by taking aim at Cohen's credibility. It ain't gonna happen. It doesn't it doesn't matter what Donald Trump tries to do to make this guy look bad because Obviously, Michael Cohen is telling the truth. So Donald Trump and his lying bunch of minions are going to try and smear Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was Donald Trump's lawyer for many, many, many years. Cohen worked for Trump. He did what Trump told him to do. Or Trump had the right to fire him if he didn't. You know, so downplaying the seriousness seriousness of the offenses being alleged and insisting that the White House has not given has not given into panic. Okay, so they're downplaying it. All of this stuff they're downplaying. Who gives a fuck how much they these people in the White House downplayed these serious, serious crimes. Serious crimes. But now the Trump team is out and trying to smear Michael Cohen, the guy who represented it, a lot of them. The guy who represented it, Fox News host Sean Hannity. I wonder what Sean Hannity's. I wonder what his fingers has been into. Maybe he should be investigated and indicted. He's not president of the United States, so he can be indicted. But anyway, they are fighting back. They are saying, we're not going to take this down. Laying down, this doesn't mean crap that he's fighting back. We know that Trump, anytime someone goes against him, he's coming right back at you. This is no news. We knew that Donald Trump and his team were going to come out with something. And we knew that he was going to smear his former lawyer, Michael Cohen. We knew this. You know, this is this is what Trump does. But that doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that just because he's trying to smear uh his longtime fixer, <laughs> confidant, that he now calls scum doesn't you know mean that this is gonna be any less in the public because the American people, we know what Donald Trump is like. We know what he does. We know how he tweets. We know how he calls names. He called Omarosa a dog, that dog. Uh, anytime you 
say something or do something Trump doesn't like, he comes back on you. And so does his lawyer. So him coming back on Michael Cohen, uh, indicating him in something that is probably true, is no news. Is no news. I mean, even the media, who he labels the enemy of the people, even the media knows that Donald Trump was going to come back on Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen knows that Cohen knows that Michael that Donald Trump was going to come back and say something or do something offensive and called him a liar and all of this stuff. Michael Cohen said he doesn't want a presidential pardon. He's going to he's going to he, he doesn't want a presidential pardon. And Trump was giving Manafort, who had been convicted in jail and going to serve more time in jail, he was giving Paul Manafort a glowing recommendation as if he was going to pardon, pardon Manafort pretty soon if Manafort keep his mouth shut. That's the gist of what I get from Donald Trump. Um, Paul, if you keep your mouth shut, I'll get you out of jail. But see, but Cohen... Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, did not keep his mouth shut. So that's why Donald, uh, Donald Trump is coming after uh, his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, seriously uh, and saying that he is lying. The only person is lying here is Donald Trump, 4,000 and counting lies that this guy have told since he's been in office. So, and Rudy Giuliani, he's a He's the silliest, goofiest, and uh, like Michael Avenatti, uh, this guy has no credibility whatsoever. Rudy Giuliani, he, anybody who listens to this guy needs their head examined. Um, anyway, Donald Trump is fighting back. You know, he's fighting back to keep his job. <laughs> he wants to be president so he can tear down America. He, he doesn't give a shit about what we think or how we think. Okay, Donald Trump, it says here, Donald Trump plans ambiguous travel schedule for the midterms. Republicans blast strategy for keeping House. Poll shows Mendez race tightening. Okay. All right. As I've just mentioned earlier, Donald Trump will, if he survives this, will be traveling around the country uh, to try and lend support to other people who are running in close races. Donald Trump, as I've said, Donald Trump is the wrong person for you to be having, (laughs) thinking that he's going to endorse you. I mean, I don't know. Republicans think that being endorsed or praised by Donald Trump is going to win them elections. Uh Uh-uh. Donald Trump's supporters are dwindling. It's dwindling. Uh, every day, every day, some something comes out, and um, his his support is dwindling. There's no doubt about that, and uh, he knows it, but I don't think he really realizes it because he wants everything to be the way he wants it to. Let's be. start now. <laughs> Good evening, Rachel. How was your day? I, I don't know what happened. I still am just kind Rachel of putting my, my jaw back on the mic. I face. felt like at a certain point today, I was like honestly inclined 
toward physically getting under my desk <laughs> and going like this and waiting until stuff the, stopped happening the, so I could crawl out and survey the The wreckage. moment for me was the Duncan Hunter indictment. Yeah. It's like, oh, come on. Is this is someone playing a joke? The second guy, the second member of Congress that endorsed him got invited today, too? Honestly, at my third staff meeting of the day today, we usually only have one, but we had to keep reconvening today, somebody said, ah, Congressman just indicted. And I said, jokes like that aren't funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, I hear you. Right. Thank you, my friend. Well done. Um, and thanks to at home for joining us this hour. I will say that the luckiest man in the news today is Congressman Duncan Hunter. I mean, Congressman Duncan Hunter, Republican Congressman from San Diego, really was indicted today by federal prosecutors along with his wife. We thought it was a joke when it first crossed the news wires today, like one more thing can happen today, but Duncan Hunter, sitting congressman, was indicted today along with his wife for felony campaign finance violations, wire fraud, falsifying records, and conspiracy. That makes him, oddly, the luckiest man in the news today, because if you're ever going to get indicted, how about today, right? A sitting member of Congress who is running for re-election this year Getting indicted along with his wife and charged with multiple felonies, that is usually a big showstopper of a story. Today, that's, I mean, it's a story. I will submit for your edification the fact that these were the two first sitting members of Congress to endorse Donald J. Trump for president in 2016. These two were the first. On the left, Congressman Chris Collins who was indicted on federal felony charges less than two weeks ago. He was the first sitting member of Congress to endorse Donald Trump for president. And then on the right side of your screen, that's Congressman Duncan Hunter. He was the second sitting member of Congress to endorse Donald Trump for president. And now today, he too has been indicted on multiple federal felony charges. Who was third? Um, but as I say, Congressman Duncan Hunter probably considers himself lucky today. I mean, if you're going to get indicted, today was probably a pretty good day um, because the news of his indictment arrived on a day like no other in this remarkable, scandal-ridden presidency. We actually called NBC News presidential historian Michael Beschloss today to ask him if there's anything in presidential history that is anything like the coincidence of events today. Has there ever been a single day in the news for any U.S. president that held similar explosive political force to the criminal court news that President Trump got today with his campaign chairman being found guilty on eight felony counts, eight felony counts which should put him away for years in prison, and on the same day at basically exactly the same moment, his longtime personal lawyer and longtime employee at his business also pleading guilty to eight felony counts which should also put him away for years in prison. And in the case of the president's longtime personal lawyer, his deal with prosecutors today not only included his own guilty pleas, it also included detailed descriptions and evidence of the president's own participation in, the president in fact directing, felony criminal behavior um, on the part of this defendant who has now pled guilty. So we called Michael Beschloss today. Has any, any U.S. president ever gone through anything quite like this when it comes to the criminal law? Michael Beschloss told us today that the only rough equivalent he can come up with in U.S. history would be March 1st, 1974. Uh, that produced this headline the next day. March 1st, 1974 was the day that a grand jury publicly indicted Richard Nixon's campaign manager who he had named Attorney General, uh, and the President's top two aides in the White House and a bunch of other top Nixon White House staffers.
the critical catastrophe for Nixon that day, March 1st, 1974, is that Nixon himself was named as an unindicted co-conspirator by the grand jury in that criminal behavior. And those findings of criminal activity by President Nixon, those were ultimately handed over to Congress um, for them to impeach him. Tonight, President Trump uh, is not facing impeachment. He's doing a rally in West Virginia. But his uh, campaign chairman and his longtime personal lawyer are both convicted felons as of tonight. And there is, of course, tremendous interest in the ultimate fate and the guilt and the impending prison time for both of these men. But the president's own fate is a real front burner issue now uh, because of what just happened today with Cohen and Manafort. So let's talk about that. Let's start with Manafort. On, on Manafort, um, you know by now the basics. Manafort was convicted on eight felony counts. The jury in the Manafort case was not able to reach a verdict on the other 10 felony counts that Manafort was facing. They didn't find him not guilty on those other 10 charges. They just couldn't come to a decision. That gives the, the prosecution and the defense both some options here. On, on the counts where the jury didn't reach a verdict, um, there was a mistrial for those 10 counts. And that means prosecutors could decide to try Paul Manafort again on those 10 counts. Prosecutors have a choice as to whether or not they want to try to do that. On the other hand, there's the eight counts, the eight felony charges, where the jurors did reach a verdict, and on all eight of those charges today, they found him guilty. Now, on those eight guilty verdicts, the defense could appeal. So, so we're going to get um, a little more detail, some more expert advice on this coming up in, in a few minutes. Turned out to be fascinating the way that whole story about the Federal Savings Bank in Chicago worked out and how the jury viewed Paul Manafort basically offering Trump administration jobs to the CEO of that bank in exchange for him offering Manafort millions of dollars in loans. The way the jury saw that turns out to be fascinating. So we'll get, we'll get some advice on that. We'll go through some of that later on. But basically, there are three things to watch when it comes to Manafort now, and specifically, potentially, the president's own fate as it relates to Paul Manafort. Three things to watch. The first two are logistical. Number one, will Manafort's defense team appeal the eight felony charges on which he was found guilty? Also, will the government try to charge Manafort again on the other 10 felonies on which there was no verdict? So just logistics. Is this trial over? Are these 18 counts settled or will they continue to be litigated? That's one thing to watch. Second logistical thing to watch. After these convictions today on these eight felony charges for Manafort, how much better or worse does Manafort's fate look now for his next felony trial, which after all, starts in less than a month in federal court in DC. This was Manafort's federal trial in Virginia. He's about to go on trial in federal court in DC less than a month from now. And believe it or not, tonight is the deadline for the prosecutors to submit their list of evidence that they are planning on using in that next case against Manafort next month. We are expecting over the course of this evening sometime tonight to get access to that evidence list. We're expecting that it will contain well over With these eight felony convictions today, Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort is facing a theoretical maximum prison sentence of 80 years in prison. 
right? I mean, no, he's not going to get 80 years in prison. Realistically, according to the sentencing guidelines, he's probably looking at real time in prison of maybe seven to nine years. And he's about to face another federal felony trial against the same special counsel's office who just got him convicted on eight felonies, and that's coming up in less than a month. So you see where this is going, right? The last thing to watch when it comes to Paul Manafort is whether being convicted today while staring down the evidence in the next trial he's about to face in D.C., whether any of this is going to change Paul Manafort's own calculus about whether or not he might want to help prosecutors now. Right? Paul Manafort, a, a, a lot of other people who've gotten in trouble in the Russia scandal have flipped and decided to help prosecutors, not Manafort. Manafort has not cooperated with prosecutors at all. If he decided now to start cooperating, his future would look very different, presumably, right? Depending on the deal he was able to cut, depending on what he could offer information about, depending on how valuable that information might be to prosecutors and any other open investigations they are pursuing. That man is a I mean, criminal. The years in prison that he's now looking at as of today for the felonies of which he was convicted today, those years, conceivably, in a deal with prosecutors, those years might go away. As might the, char the, the charges he's about to face in his new trial in court in Washington, D.C. next month. Again, we're going to get some expert advice on this ahead, but whatever math Paul Manafort has done in his head about whether or not he wanted to flip and help prosecutors and, and any of their other work in any other cases, right, including cases potentially involving the president, that math might have changed today when the jury pronounced him guilty on eight felonies in that Virginia courtroom. So that is wow. half of what is looming over the president today. Does Paul Manafort now feel differently about his own fate, differently enough that he might be willing to talk? That's half of what's looming. Trump is saying, don't talk. And then there's I the president's personal lawyer. <clears throat> the judge. Let's begin then with an Crazy initial appearance. Dude. Mr. Cohen, I am District Judge William Pauley. The purpose of this proceeding, sir, is to inform you of certain rights that you have, to inform you of the charges against you, and to consider whether counsel should be appointed for you, and to decide under what conditions you should be released. First, you have the right to remain silent. You are not required to make any statements. Even if you have made any statements to the authorities, you need not make any further statements. Anything you do say can be used against you. You have the right to be released, either conditionally or unconditionally pending trial, unless I find that there are no conditions that would reasonably assure your presence in court and the safety of the community. You have the right, sir, to be represented by counsel during all court proceedings, including exactly. this one, and during all questioning by authorities. If you cannot afford an attorney, I will appoint one to represent you. Now, the government has offered here an information in this case. Have you seen that information, Mr. Cohen? The defendant, Michael Cohen. Yes, Your Honor. The judge. And have you read it? Michael Cohen. I have, sir. The judge. Have you discussed it with your attorney, Mr. Petrillo? Mr. Cohen. I have, sir. The judge, Mr. Cohen, do you understand, sir, that you are now under oath and that if you answer any of my questions falsely, your false or untrue answers may later be used against you in another prosecution for perjury or making a false statement? Michael Cohen, I do, Your Honor. The judge, very well. For the record, what is your full name? Michael Cohen says, Michael Dean Cohen. The judge, and at this time, Mr. Cohen, you may be seated, and I'd ask that you pull the microphone close to you. Defendant Michael Cohen. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Cohen, how old are you, sir? The defendant. In four days, I'll be 52. The judge. How far did you go in school? Defendant. Law. The judge. Are you able to read, write, speak, and understand English? The defendant. Yes, Your Honor. 
The judge, are you now or have you recently been under the care of a doctor or a psychiatrist? The defendant, no, Your Honor. Court, have you ever been treated or hospitalized for any mental illness or any type of addiction, including drug or alcohol addiction? The defendant, no, sir. The judge, in the past 24 hours, Mr. Cohen, have you taken any drugs, medicine, or pills, or have you consumed any alcohol? The defendant, yes, Your Honor. The judge, what have you taken or consumed, sir? The defendant, last night at dinner, I had a glass of Glenlivet 12 on the rocks. The judge, all right, is it your custom to do that, sir? The defendant, no, Your Honor. The judge, all right, have you had anything since that time? The defendant, no, Your Honor. The judge, is your mind clear today? Yes, Your Honor. Are you feeling all right today? Yes, sir. Are you represented by counsel here today? I am. Who are your attorneys? Guy Petrillo and Amy Lester. And, Mr. Petrillo, do you have any doubt as to your client's competence to plead at this time? Cohen's defense lawyer, Guy Petrillo, says, I do not, Your Honor. Judge, now, Mr. Cohen, your attorney has informed me that you wish to enter a plea of guilty. Do you wish to enter a plea of guilty? Defendant Michael Cohen, yes, sir. The judge, have you had a full opportunity to discuss your case with your attorney and to discuss the consequences of entering a, a plea of guilty? The defendant, yes, your honor. Judge, are you satisfied with your attorneys, Mr. Petrillo and Ms. Lester, and their representation of you in this matter? The defendant, very much, sir. The judge, on the basis of Mr. Cohen's responses to my questions and my observations of his demeanor here in the courtroom this afternoon, I find that he is fully competent to enter an informed plea at this time. Being warned that he will be prosecuted for perjury if he gives any false statements at this hearing today, they then go through it. There's a long back and forth at this point about Cohen understanding the nature of his plea deal and the nature of the charges against him and the clear mind with which he is pleading guilty. He pleads guilty to eight felony charges today. Felony tax evasion in five separate years, so that's five different counts. That's five of the eight. Then number six is making a false statement to a financial institution to get a loan that he shouldn't have otherwise gotten. And then there's the last two charges that blew the proverbial lid off the place today. But as, as they're going through all these charges between the judge uh, and the attorneys and Michael Cohen, um, just saying, yes, Your Honor, a lot as they're going through stuff, there comes this moment in today's hearing when the judge asks Michael Cohen to explain in his own words the crimes he has committed and to which he is pleading guilty. The judge, Mr. Cohen, would you please tell me what you did in connection with each of the crimes to which you are entering, entering a plea of guilty. Michael Cohen, yes, Your Honor. May I stand? The judge, you may. The defendant, thank you, sir. Michael Cohen, Your Honor, I also just jotted down some notes so that I can keep my focus and address this court in proper fashion. As to counts one through five, in the tax years of 2012 through 2016, I evaded paying substantial taxes on certain income received that I knew was not reflected on the return and that I caused to be filed. And then I won't read all the details here, but Cohen details how he evaded taxes, how he knowingly lied by omission to a bank where he applied for a loan. That loan, we later learn, he used to pay off Stormy Daniels. We'll have more on that later. Um, but, but then we get to the part uh, that led to front pages like this tonight. This is the front page of the New York Times right now. Cohen pleads guilty, implicating president. That's the front page of the New York Times tonight. Here's where that comes from in court today. You ready? Okay, Michael Cohen. Thank you, Your Honor. As to count number seven, on or about the summer of 2016, in coordination with and at the direction of a candidate for federal office, I am the CEO of a media company at the request of the candidate, 
worked together to keep an individual with information that would be harmful to the candidate and to the campaign from publicly disclosing this information. After a number of discussions, we eventually accomplished the goal by the media company entering into a contract with the individual under which she received compensation of $150,000. I participated in this conduct, which on my part took place in Manhattan for the principal purpose of influencing the election. The federal candidate in this case is the President of the United States. The election in this case is the election that made him President of the United States. And this is the President's attorney saying under oath, under penalty of perjury, that the President directed this illegal payoff during the campaign for the purposes of influencing the election. This count, number, number seven, is the Karen McDougal case. This is the woman who used to model for Playboy magazine who says she had a long-running affair with the President. Michael Cohen said under oath in court today that the President directed him, Michael Cohen, and also the CEO of a media company, which appears to be David Pecker, the CEO of American Media, which owns the National Enquirer. Michael Cohen says the President directed two of them to arrange a payment of $150,000 to Karen McDougal during the election specifically for the purpose of influencing the election. Mm -hmm. Now, that is something that has been reported in detail that you have heard about over months. That is now being charged as a felony, as an illegal corporate contribution to the president's campaign, one that, according to this court proceeding today, was directed by the president himself. Now, Michael Cohen is pleading guilty to his own role in that, but he is directly implicating both the President of the United States and that executive, David Pecker, in that same criminal act. So we'll have more on that in a second. Uh, but then here's the last count. And this part is probably even worse for the President, at least the way I read it. Back to the transcript. Michael Cohen. Your Honor, as to count number eight, on or about October of 2016, so the month before the election, in coordination with and at the direction of the same candidate, I arranged to make a payment to a second individual with information that would be harmful to the candidate and to the campaign to keep the individual from disclosing the information. Yeah, to accomplish this, I used a company that was under my control to make a payment in the sum of $130,000. The monies I advanced through my company were later repaid to me by the candidate. I participated in this conduct, which on my part took place in Manhattan, for the principal purpose of influencing the election. Now, the reason he's saying I did this in Manhattan is because he's being charged by federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York that's essentially establishing their jurisdiction to charge him with these felonies. When he says he, took he, he, took, he, he participated in this conduct for the principal purpose of influencing the election, that is identifying this felony as a campaign-related felony, a campaign finance felony. So the president's lawyer has pled guilty. In so doing, he implicates the president personally in arranging two illegal payoffs during the campaign for the purposes of influencing the outcome of the campaign. Now, Mr. Cohen, Michael Cohen, will be going to jail for this conduct. But he's implicated the president in this criminal act as well. And then after he did that, federal prosecutors told the judge they have lots of evidence to prove this crime. The judge asked the prosecutors to summarize its evidence on these charges that Cohen has just described. And then the prosecution goes through all their evidence on all the bank charges and the tax evasion. And then when it comes to those last two bombshells, the felony charges in which Michael Cohen implicates the president personally, 
Prosecutor Andrea Griswold stands up and gives basically bullet points that are a list of, of evidence that the government has collected to prove those charges. Quote, records obtained from an April 9, 2018 series of search warrants on Mr. Cohen's premises, including hard copy documents, seized electronic devices, and audio recordings made by Mr. Cohen. We would also offer text messages, messages sent over encrypted applications, phone records, and emails. We would also submit various records produced to us via subpoena, including records from the corporation referenced in the information as Corporation One, and records from the media company also referenced in the information. Finally, we would offer testimony of witnesses, including witnesses involved in the transactions in question who communicated with the defendant. Now, that's the list of evidence the government says it has compiled to prove that case. Money. They explain that they've got all that evidence to the judge today in court. But the government is not going to put that evidence on display in a trial against Michael Cohen because there's not going to be a trial because Cohen has pled guilty. So Cohen's plea and the court filings from prosecutors in this case, they implicate Cohen. They also implicate the president in this same criminal behavior. And Cohen's guilty plea in court today spelled it out out loud in the transcript that I just read to you. It's also spelled out in even more detail in the criminal information document, which uh, the, the prosecutor was just referencing there in that quote that I just read. The criminal information document became public later this evening. It spells this all out in even more detail. It describes one or more members of the Trump campaign coordinating with Michael Cohen to make these illegal payoffs. And this is interesting to me. And it hasn't received a lot of attention yet today, but I think this is worth focusing on. The president's company, his business, the Trump Organization, also yeah. appears to be implicated in the description of this crime because it's the president's company that is apparently the entity that reimbursed Michael Cohen for the illegal payoff. It was a $130,000 illegal payoff to Stormy Daniels. They not only reimbursed him for the payoff, they also paid him a lot more on top of just the reimbursement. It's spelled out in the criminal information document that Michael Cohen put out this $130,000 as the payoff, but then the Trump organization, the president's business, paid him back, not $130,000, they paid him back over $420,000 for having provided that service. And that service, of course, was a felony for which Mr. Cohen will now go to prison. They paid him a lot of money to do that. I don't know if you can indict a president. I'm pretty sure you could indict the president's company. So, uh, big day. Um, the indicted congressman today, Congressman Duncan Hunter, is very lucky to have had his criminal news land like a raindrop in this ocean of criminal news today about the president's campaign chair and his longtime personal lawyer, both now, as of today, convicted felons. The last day like this in history, March 1st, 1974, saw President Nixon named as an unindicted co-conspirator in criminal cases against his top aides. Today, there was no grand jury to do that kind of naming, but in the court filings around the Michael Cohen guilty pleas, the president is implicated just as overtly as Nixon ever was. So now I have questions. I've already laid out my questions on Manafort. Basically, how much time is Manafort ultimately looking at? Will that change his mind on flipping and cooperating? It's pretty simple. Watch this space for that, uh, including watch tonight for the publication of that list of evidence from the prosecution, Manafort. But on Cohen, tell me this. 
Cohen and federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York. They implicate the president explicitly today in felony campaign finance violations with these secret payoffs. That's not the same thing as indicting the president for those charges. But what's the distance between implication by prosecutors, this explicit implication today, and indictment? Like, what's, what's the, how do you travel that distance, and can you travel that distance? What happens there? What happens now that the president is named as someone involved in the commission of multiple felonies? Where does that go? Second question, Michael Cohen is not required to cooperate with prosecutors as a condition of his plea agreement. Why not? Did prosecutors not want that? Did Michael Cohen not want that? What does that mean? And third, where's the special counsel? Robert Mueller and his prosecutors at the special counsel's office reportedly initiated this investigation of Michael Cohen, but then they handed it off to the regular public corruption prosecutors at the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York. The special counsel and his team of prosecutors appear nowhere in this hearing or in any of these filings today about Michael Cohen. Does the special counsel's office want to talk to Michael Cohen? Have they talked to Michael Cohen? Does Michael Cohen have now, or did he ever have, an option to reduce his prison time by talking to the special counsel's office about what, they, about what he knows that might be helpful in their other ongoing investigations? I mean, Cohen implicated the president in two felonies today. If Cohen has more to say beyond implicating the president in these two felonies today, has he said it already to prosecutors? Should we expect that he will? I actually think we might be able to get an answer to that from a guest you will be surprised to see here. Next. Michael Cohen did not sign a deal that obligates him to cooperate with prosecutors today, but he did plead guilty, and in his plea, he did directly implicate the president in participation in two felonies related to the campaign, two and campaign two finance felonies. violations for which Mr. Cohen himself looks like he will now expect to do jail time. Is Michael Cohen done? There was no mention of the special counsel or the special counsel's ongoing investigations in his case today. Is there any connection at all between the special counsel's work and what just happened to Mr. Cohen today? Joining us now is Lanny Davis. Michael Cohen's personal attorney, former special White House counsel to President Bill Clinton. Mr. Davis, I'm really happy that you're here tonight. Thanks for joining us. I just want to say it's um, a long time that I've wanted to be on your show, Rachel, and watch you all the time, and I appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much uh, for saying that. I appreciate you being here. I know that you have a lot of other things to be doing uh, tonight. Um, your client pled guilty to eight counts today. It was a, a standard plea agreement, as far as we could tell, not a cooperation agreement. Um, was that an option for you and your client? Why wasn't there any cooperation deal? Well, there are certain things I can answer directly, so let me try to answer this indirectly. When I decided to represent Mr. Cohen, it was because he committed to me early on in many conversations that he wanted to tell the truth about Donald Trump. And we talked about what he knew about Donald Trump. This was one of the subjects. So whether I use the word cooperation or not, and my colleague, Guy Petrillo, will know uh, the answer to your question. It's truth that Michael Cohen is committed to, and it's the truth that so threatens the President of the United States, who has consistently lied, in fact, on this issue, denied knowing about these payments until Rudy Giuliani, his lawyer, waiving attorney-client privilege, said, oh, he knew about the payments. 
directly contrary to the lie on Air Force One. So to answer your question, Mr. Cohen is dedicated to telling the truth. If that amounts to the word cooperation, I'll leave that to my uh, cohort, uh, great criminal defense lawyer Guy Petrillo, to explain. The special counsel's office, special counsel Robert Mueller and any of his prosecutors don't appear anywhere in any of the court filings today. They weren't discussed um, in court. That makes them a sort of looming presence in this, in, in, in this story and in our, what we know about the, the future of, of your client, future of, of Michael Cohen. Um, is there anything to do with the special counsel um, that was involved in this plea agreement today? Um, has the special counsel approached Michael Cohen already about whether he would like to speak some of that truth uh, to their inquiry in addition to what he's just faced in SDNY? So I can't tell you the answer to that question about contacts between Michael and the special counsel, but I can tell you that um, Mr. Cohen has knowledge on certain subjects that should be of interest to the special counsel and is more than happy to tell the special counsel all that he knows, not just about the obvious uh, possibility of a conspiracy to collude and corrupt the American democracy system in the 2016 election, which the Trump Tower meeting was all about, but also knowledge about the computer crime of hacking and whether or not uh, Mr. Trump knew ahead of time about that crime and even cheered it on. And we know he publicly cheered it on, but did he also have private information? Uh, one thing to say about Michael Cohen, if I might, Rachel, is that he's been through a very tough day. His wife and his two children and his family are, I would say, uh, suffering from this type of event, and so is Michael. But in one very important respect, Michael is relieved He's a good man with a good heart that I've discovered, but he's relieved and liberated is the word I would say to your audience, because now he has no shadow hanging over him. The uncertainty is gone. He has stepped up to the line and he has admitted what he did wrong, but he is now liberated to tell the truth, everything about Donald Trump that he knows. Uh, that led him to approach someone like me, who he knows politically doesn't share anything with President Trump. And from this point on, you're going to see uh, liberated uh, Michael Cohen speaking truth to power. In terms of what you just said there, I just want to underscore what you referenced, that the, Mr. Cohen has information about the president and his advanced knowledge of the, the crime of, of hacking during the campaign. And you're saying that Mr. Cohen, whether or not he's already spoken to the special counsel's office, he would be happy to discuss that with the special counsel, separate and apart from everything that happened today in the Southern District of New York. Well, I hate to be uh, overly legalistic with you, but uh, I'm not going to confirm what knowledge Michael has. I will confirm that Mr. Mueller, who I greatly respect, uh, will have a lot of interest in what Michael has to say. And by the way, on just the crime of directing somebody to commit a crime, as you pointed out in your opening, it was a crime for President Trump to direct Michael Cohn to the crime of a campaign finance donation that exceeded the legal limitations. There's something else interesting that isn't so obvious. Why didn't President Trump do this himself? Why didn't he write or sign the check himself? Was he covering up because he knew 
that there was something wrong in what he was doing, so he directed his lawyer to do something that he didn't want anybody to know that he did. I think the answer to that question is obvious. So there's a cover-up here by our now President of the United States that is undeniable. He directed Michael Cohn to make this payment of $130,000. He didn't have the courage or at least didn't want to expose himself politically so soon before the election. So he directed his lawyer to do that, which he was not willing to do. Lanny Davis, uh, attorney for Michael Cohen. Mr. Davis, thank you for, for being here. I hope you'll come back. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Much thank appreciated. You. Um, you know, to that last point that Mr. Davis was making about um, President Trump directing Michael Cohen to make these payments instead of making them himself, one of the things that we learned today in this criminal information is that when Trump directed Cohen to do it, it could not have been out of convenience. Uh, one of the other felonies to which Michael Cohen pled today was lying to a bank in order to get a $130,000 home equity loan, which is what he tapped wow. to make the payment to Stormy Daniels, which President Trump had directed him to make. So this is not like Michael Cohen was the easy choice here. Michael Cohen had to commit another felony in order All right. Thank you. <laughs> As everybody probably know, that's Rachel Maddow. Thanks for her. For That's a clip, actually. And uh, she's talking about what we all have been talking about, and she's very accurate on what she's saying. That's why I chose to uh, have that clip on the show, because she's very accurate and probably can say a lot better than I can. And she's always good. And and Americans love uh, 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 liberals, Democrats mostly, love uh, Rachel Maddow. I don't think anybody over there on Fox News I mean, I don't know why anybody watches Fox News unless they're watching it for a laugh. But I've known too many people say that they have relatives and their mother, their father or something, grandparents. Or they just get all drunk on Fox News, swallowing up all of those ridiculous lies and garbage that they spew out over there on Fox News. And they do. They, I mean, they tell lies and people swallow it up. But the thing about it is that there's not that many of uh, people who actually swallow what Fox say anymore, even the diehards who used to turn it on every day. I mean, I don't watch Fox News. I, I, I very seldom watch MSNBC News. News, uh, you know, as I've said several times, I'm not a Democrat. I'm a liberal, uh, and I'm not one of those Bernie Sanders liberal. Uh, uh, I, I'm a, actually, I'm not a liberal. I'm an independent. I misspoke, folks. <laughs> I'm an independent. I'm, you know, and I'm not one of those Bernie Sanders independents either. Um, but uh, I will be voting Democrat, uh, believe me, and uh, I hope you do too. We should all vote blue uh, in the upcoming midterms because Donald Trump is out there lying again, and uh, this time he's using his... Uh, Lawyers to help him lie. I mean, this guy is a mess. I've said this before, and I do believe it. If he should resign, and he's not going to resign, why isn't Donald Trump Trump going to resign, you say, George? Because he loves power. Donald Trump loves power. Remember, Donald Trump has screwed up and effed up everything that he has touched. Go back and do your research if you don't believe that. Six bankruptcies, uh, fraudulent uh, school taxes, you name it. He screwed it up. 
And now he has his hands on America. And guess what? He is screwing it up. I'm pretty sure you can agree with that. He is screwing it up. He's the worst thing ever. He's a parasite. And he goes after those who criticizes him. Is there something? He goes after people who criticizes him. Failing to realize that 80% of the world, not the United States, but the world criticizes this guy. The world talks about him. Go after those people in Australia or Spain or Canada. They're criticizing you too. They're calling you a dumbass just as Americans over in America are calling you a dumbass. He goes after his critics. Some people say, why would you do that? If you want people to say nice things about you, do nice things. Do great things. People will say nice things about you. People will like you. You you break the law. You lie. You try to um, ruin America. People are going to hate you, and they're going to talk about you. He's had such a – Donald Trump has got such a thin skin. I mean, it is really thin. It's really thin. He can talk about people. He can call people names. But he can't take it. He wants to go out and re- revoke your security clearance. He doesn't want you to respond on Twitter to one of his tirade tweets. He tried to get people to stop doing that. The judge said no. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I thank everybody for tuning in to the show. It's been one of those days, folks, and uh, America, uh, these people have just done some awful things to our country. We have to take our country back, and hopefully everybody's going to vote blue in a couple of months, maybe a, uh, maybe you know, a month and a half, two months and a half from now, from the date of this show. We're going to try to get the House back. We're going to try and get the Senate back. We're going to try and persuade our Democratic friends to impeach this guy, but they don't want to impeach Donald Trump. They want to say, hey, let's wait until the um, Mueller investigation is over. On both sides, Democrats and Republicans saying, well, we don't want to impeach him now. Let's wait until the uh, uh, investigation is over. But there is so much to impeach Donald Trump on right now. He should be impeached just for lying to the American people. He should be impeached just for being a traitor to America. He should be impeached for those things. Should be impeached for lying. Should be impeached for wanting to destroy America. Should be impeached for uh, rolling back everything good that Obama has done for America because he wants to make it worse. He intentionally wants to make it worse because he wants the people of America to suffer. And he is not going to resign. He will be taken out of the White House in handcuffs, maybe uh, kicking and screaming because he loves power. Someone said that he's drunk on power. I agree with that. Donald Trump is drunk on power. He loves it. No matter how little, no matter how much, he loves it. He loves taking away people's uh, uh, security clearances. He loves 
fucking and screwing over the NFL or the NBA, the National Basketball Association. He loves those things. He loves being able to screw over you, the American public. He loves to distract you with a lot of the garbage that he says that comes out of his mouth. He loves it. So Donald Trump giving up the presidency, no way. No way. He may not even go. He may not even go uh, when he's voted out. He may want to stay. He, Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about the Republicans. Um, excuse me, about the Democrats taking over the House or the Senate or maybe both, because he feels that he's going to still be president. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't know or he doesn't realize it. Realize that he can be impeached. If the Republicans do not impeach Donald Trump, the Democrats will. Hopefully they will. But as I've just got through saying, they are all wanting to wait until the Mueller investigation into Russia meddling, in, meddling into the 2016 election is over. Because they're saying that Michael Cohen and Paul Manafort, that's not Russia. It may not be Russia, but it's crime. It's thuggery. It's a felony, two felonies. It may not be Russia. He deserves to be impeached over that, but they want to wait until the Mueller investigation is over. And Rudy Giuliani is saying, get it over quick. Get it over quick. Yeah, we're going to get it over quick, all right. Trump is going to be uh, impeached or thrown out or something. Because the the Republicans they don't want to uh, they don't want to impeach him, then they got their reasons. Their power will be lessened if they impeach Donald Trump. They will not be able to sit Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court and change it uh, conservatively for years, for years, Cons- change it in the direction of the. Uh, Republicans for years, conservatively. <laughs> okay. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Make sure you join me tomorrow. I want to thank my guest, Amanda Adams. Uh, go out and get her book. Uh, I think it's uh, Don't Be Afraid to Breathe or something to that effect. Anyway, um, let me see if I can grab the, the right title of her book. Uh, it's... Um, don't hold your breath. I'm sorry. Sorry, Amanda, if you're listening. <laughs> it's don't hold your breath. Folks, go out there Go out there and buy that book. It sounds like something that uh, we should be uh, reading, and you get so much out of it. All right, thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Where, wherever you find yourself uh, listening to the show, whether it's in the evening, in the afternoon, during the weekend, or whenever you're podcasting the show and listening to it, um, Have a great one. Have a good one. Stay safe out there. Be good. Vote blue.
lay me down before I go to sleep. In a troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep, keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small.